Let's open our Bibles today to Psalm 88. Psalm 88. When you find your place there, we're going to pray together. And there are two specific things I want to ask you to join with me in praying over. And I want to ask you to, in, in a lot of ways, not to put an amen to it till the end of the week. Or maybe even beyond a little bit. Two specific things I want to ask you to pray about. Uh, one is youth camp. We have over 100 teenagers that will leave tomorrow for a week in North Carolina at Snowbird Camps. And I ask you to pray for Taylor Krause and for Brooke Lovinggood and the team that will be going and these uh, dozens of students. And a very practical way I want to ask you to help us pray for them this week is to grab a blue band like you see on my uh, wrist here. When you go out these two exits, there are a couple of tables that have got still several bands left there. Would you grab one of those? They have a name on it. And uh, you may know them, may not know them. And uh, just, just have it with you throughout the week to pray for God's work in their lives of that individual. Please help us uh, cover them with prayer this week. And then secondly, I want to ask you to pray for our Nepal team that leaves on Wednesday. Robbie Wolfel, Dave Stearns, and Taylor Drury will leave Wednesday for two weeks. They will meet up with a nine-member team that's already there that are sent out from our church for the entire summer. And so would you pray for Nepal, pray for the Bing people. Robbie and Dave and Taylor will be trying to... Connect with our team, encourage them, find out what they've learned, and then continue to make connections with the Bing people. And we're looking for those who've already trusted Christ and then sharing the gospel among the Bing people. And we want you to pray uh, for these two things that are coming. Uh, let's do it this way. Let's take this right here on the uh, floor level. Would you take a minute to pray for youth camp? And then the upper level right here, I want to ask you to take a minute to pray for our Nepal team, the nine that are already there, the three that are going, and God's work among the being people. Let's lift our prayers in this room right now. Father, thank you for connecting our hearts to the being people of Nepal. We pray for Robbie and Dave and Taylor. We pray for the practical pieces of their trip. They make their connections. They would uh, be met by people of peace and favor. We pray for physical strength and stamina. We pray for spiritual wisdom. We pray, Father, your Holy Spirit would fill them and 
you have used them powerfully in an eternal way among the Bing people. We pray that their arrival and their presence would be life-giving to those that are already there serving. Pray for a great connection. I pray they'd be able to learn some things from those that have been on the ground there for several days. We ask you, Father, for you to give us the, the joy of being able to see the Bing people considered a reached people for Jesus. We, pray, we praise you, Lord, looking forward to a day when we gather around the throne and every tongue and tribe is represented and maybe standing beside us and around us are being people. We pray, Lord, for a mighty movement of your power among them and they would come to you and be saved. And we pray, Lord, that uh, Robbie and Dave Taylor, their work there would be effective. We pray there would be fruit. We pray, Lord, that that would be hearts that are good soul receiving your word. We pray for their families here that you would protect them and strengthen them as they send uh, as they send their family to Nepal. We pray for youth camp. We pray for Taylor Krauss, for Brooke. We pray for the students that are going. We pray, Spirit of God, for you to do work that changes lives. We pray that believers would be encouraged and for any teenagers going that do not know you as Lord and Savior, we pray this would be the week they'd be saved. We pray, Lord, it would be a, a, a real, um, just a catalyst for what's ahead in the summer and the fall, Lord. You'd start something in this week in their lives that would multiply, would come back to us, it'd come back to our community, and we would be a change, that even perhaps, Lord, by a work that you start right there at youth camp this summer. So please, Lord, be free to work and pray that um, it would be great breakthroughs spiritually in these days. We pray as we go to Psalm 88, Spirit of God, let this word be all that you meant it to be. We recognize that you've inspired this word, you've preserved it for us today. We pray that our lives would be changed by it, more like Jesus because of it. And we pray this in the name of Jesus, amen. We've reached a point where uh, in our Songs of Summer series that people measure uh, how long they've been at Watkinsville by Songs of Summer. I asked somebody this week, how long have you been at Watkinsville? And they looked, they paused, and, and they said, we've been at Watkinsville, let me see, this is our third Songs of Summer. Uh, I don't know how long you would say you've been at Watkinsville. Maybe you've been here for 12 years of it. Maybe you've been here for four years of it. This could be, like some I've already met, your first Sunday to be a part of Songs of Summer. We're picking up where we left off last year. Uh, we started this summer with Psalm 86. Last week, Dave Stearns uh, preached Psalm 87. Today, Psalm 88. And I want to ask you to make a commitment. If this is your first time or your tenth time, would you commit to me today that this would not be, Lord willing, your last time? All right. Psalm 88 is a, is a unique psalm. It is different than the other psalms. In fact, only one other psalm, Psalm 39, would be at all like Psalm 88. And 
you think about this particular psalm, and Jason's already alluded to it some. Uh, psalm 88 is a psalm that has, has no happy ending. I know that Tim Keller, three or four years ago, preaching in London, began a talk on Psalm 88 by apologizing for coming all that way and it being Psalm 88. Uh, certainly, he meant that in a lighthearted way, not apologizing for God's word. We know he's up to something in his word. But there are a lot of uh, descriptors of Psalm 88 that might make you wonder why you're here today. Uh, if you leave in the middle of this psalm, we're just going to assume right now that it has nothing to do with Psalm 88, all right? But I want to ask you, all of you, uh, come back uh, next week. One of the most influential writers on Psalms for me is, uh, is a, a commentator by the name of Derek Kidner. Derek Kidner says, this is the saddest prayer in the Psalter. H.C. Leopold wrote, it is the gloomiest psalm found in the scriptures. The psalmist is as deeply in trouble when he has concluded his prayer as he was when he began it. J.J. Stewart Peroni said, this is the darkest, saddest psalm in all the Psalter. It is one well of sorrow from beginning to end. I would describe this psalm personally as a psalm that starts at midnight and ends before dawn. The very last word, the very last word of Psalm 88 is darkness. Happy Father's Day. <laughs> Why is that? Well, it's a psalm that has no resolution. That, that movie, Castaway, nobody's talking about that movie if he doesn't get off the island. When we sing songs, I, I remember growing up singing this song, One Day. Uh, some of you may remember it. I remember as a kid, the hymn, One Day, being the hymn that when I opened it up and the song leader said, let's sing One Day, I can remember the song leader saying, let's sing all five verses and just like, oh my not all five. I mean, I was a really spiritual kid, and and uh, it was just I just like it just looked long. But when you read through the song, you're glad it doesn't end with verse three. You're glad that it has verse five that talks about Jesus coming back one day. And that's the, that's the I, I looked up um, songs that end sad or movies that end sad. When I looked that up, almost all the movies that end sad were horror movies. The very word horror is in Psalm 88. Why would God have it in his word? And why would God have you here today for Psalm 88? I want to answer that question. First, let's try to absorb here Psalm 88. Beginning in verse 1. O oh Lord... God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. For my soul is full of troubles, and my life draws near to Sheol. 
I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I'm a man who has no strength. Like one set loose among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, like those whom you remember no more, for they are cut off from your hand. You have put me in the depths of the pit, in the regions dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you overwhelm me with all your waves. Selah. So the writer, the songwriter says we need a breath right here. You have caused my companions to shun me. You have made me a horror to them. I'm shut in so that I cannot escape. My eye grows dim through sorrow. Every day I call upon you, O Lord. I spread out my hands to you. Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up to praise you? Is your steadfast love declared in the grave? Or your faithfulness in Abaddon? Are your wonders known in the darkness? Or your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? But I, O Lord, cry to you. In the morning my prayer comes before you. O Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? Afflicted and close to death from my youth up, I suffer your terrors. I am helpless. Your wrath has swept over me. Your dreadful assaults destroy me. They surround me like a flood all day long. They close in on me together. You have caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. My companions have become darkness. Every time I read it, I just like, where's verse 19? Where's verse 20? Turn the page, surely. There's more. It just ends with darkness. Three times. Verse 6. Verse 12 and verse 18. Dark, darkness, darkness. Why would God, why would God have us this psalm in his book? Why would we be here today in it? I want to answer that with four statements. Number one, this psalm teaches us Number one, believers that will spend eternity in heaven will live through days that seem like hell on earth. This psalm is here to teach us that believers that will spend eternity in heaven will live through days that seem like hell on earth. We cannot... We cannot tear this page out of God's word. It is as inspired as John 3.16. It is as inspired as Romans 8. God in his providence and in his sovereignty and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit has inspired this word and preserved this word. And we look at it and we say, Lord, why is it here? And perhaps if this was missing from the book of Psalms, we would think that uh, in this life every time days are dark we have failed we have uh, we have been deserted that uh, there is a we, we can't take our pain to God when you look at this psalm and you try to break out an outline you you can't do like a lot of passages of passages of scripture where there are 
there's an outline of different themes. Really, the outline of Psalm 88 is more like movements. And, and I look at this, and, and I would say the three-part outline to Psalm 88 is dark, darker, and darkest. I mean, that's, that's how it moves. But it lets us know in this song that doesn't resolve that there are real events, real times in real life that seem like hell. And I don't mean that flippantly, and, and none of us have ever experienced the literal hell that God assures us is out there for those who do not know Jesus. But the descriptors of Psalm 88 match the descriptors that we have of hell in the New Testament. Utter darkness, death, separation, abandonment. And you read through these verses and you, you realize that um, some days are Psalm 88 days. Amen. Some, some, some weeks are Psalm 88 weeks. Some years are Psalm 88 years. And according to this psalm, some lives on this earth are Psalm 88 lives. We have a tendency to put God's word in a very tight context. Sometimes we read God's word and we just look at it and say, okay, here's God's word. And, and like in my case, how do I put it in this aquarium of 55 years? And, and right here it's 55 years. Sometimes we can put it in the context of Oconee County and Watkinsville. And just what we experience right here in Watkinsville or Oconee County. And, and we might look at a lot of things and think they're really good. I want to remind you that the context of this psalm goes bigger and further and longer than my life. It goes further than your life. It's, 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 the context is broader than Watkinsville. The context is broader than just American history. This is a psalm that was written over 2,500 years ago. And it lets us see that over 2,500 years, 25 centuries, that there have been times in and there have been times in people's lives that it's been like hell here on this earth. And this psalm puts into words the pain of those times. And you say, wait, pastor, you said that you started off with believers that will spend eternity in heaven. Why are you saying believers? Look at verse 1. Verse 1 gives us a testimony of the writer of this psalm. Verse 1 says, O Lord, O Yahweh, God of my what? Salvation. The writer of this song begins with his belief. He begins with his trust. He begins with an understanding of who he's known God to be. And he says, God, you're, you're, a, you're a saving God. You're, you're a God that rescues. You're, you're a God that delivers. You're a God that answers. You're a God that comes through. My faith, my trust has been in you. That's my starting point. And, his, and, he, and he starts from that point of belief. And then he goes through verse 18. And it just ends. 
And I look at that, and it's like God is, 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 is shouting to us through this song, believers can know the Lord and still go through incredible darkness. You see, you may sit here today and say, those words are the first words that I've seen in weeks that describe right where I am. God knows. You see, this this psalm throughout the ages stretches way longer than us and will be here when we're gone. This is the song of those who've lives have matched this darkness. This is the song of refugees out of Afghanistan who day after day after day after day live in some camp wondering what happened to their home, where would their food come from. God, what are you doing? This is the song of the soldier in Ukraine today that's doing everything he can with the weapon that he has to protect his family and to guard his house. And he's saying, God, we're nearing death. This is the song of those who grieve in Uvalde, Texas, who hurt over the death and loss of multiple children. This is the psalm of those who look around and see their town destroyed by tornadoes in Kentucky. This is the song This is the song of a bullied middle schooler who every day walks into the school knowing another day, another hour, another class where I'll be picked on and hit on and made fun of. God, where are you? This is the song of a black slave who lived through days that had no idea that June 19th would ever be a part of his story. This is a day, this is a song for the fatherless child and the abandoned spouse. This is a song for the parents that have buried their young. And this is a song for the dad that won't hear from his children on Father's Day. This is a song for the World War II vet or the, for the World War II soldier in the trench that had no idea that September 1945 would ever occur. And this is a song for a church in Texas that buried a grandfather and three grandchildren this past week, having been murdered by an escaped convict. You see, this is a song that God has preserved in his word to let us know that being a believer doesn't mean here on this earth everything ends in your day happily ever after. Some days are dark. And that's the real story. And for believers, though we look forward to heaven, Some days will feel like hell. 
Number two, this psalm teaches us there is helping power in honest prayer. Sometimes we lie when we pray. Sometimes we don't present the whole story to God in our prayers. This psalm lets us know that God can handle the rawness of our heart and life. Listen, God can even handle when we pray in a way that doesn't match our theology. Stay with me. There have been times in my life where I've found myself emotionally distraught over some news or some event. And what I recognize is, is that it's taken a while for my emotions to catch up with my theology. Y'all with me? Because if I was so certain of the truth in those times, why would I cry so much? God can handle it. And he handles it in this psalm. He asks questions. Do, do you work wonders for the dead? Do, do the departed rise up to praise you? Is your steadfast love declared in the grave? We might raise a judgmental hand and say, wait, hey, Romans 8 says nothing can separate us from the love of God. How could you ask that? We ask it because that's the real feeling that he has in his heart right now. There's helping power in honest prayer. And I would imagine that today, even as dark as this psalm is, just the reading out loud of this psalm and talking about this subject out loud, God's already helping some dark hearts today, knowing God understands where I'm living. There's helping power in honest prayer. He's put into words, the pain, sometimes the, the darkness can be so heavy that we don't know how to pray, we don't know what to say, we don't know what words to use, and God brings us words like this, eternal word, eternal words for us that have been preserved to be able to cling to, somebody else put my pain into words, I need this song. When we don't know how to pray, Heman shows us. You see, the great thing about God's word that's so confirming that it's true is that God's, he hasn't presented to us uh, just, it's not an edited version. It's not like God wants to slip something in on us. He didn't write a book and say, leave out the hard parts. He put it all in there. The Bible's not glossy print. There's, there's pain and difficulty and darkness in it. And as we're honest before God, that God does work in our hearts and he does work in the hearts of others around us. From time to time, I write in a journal, not every day, not every week. But let me, let me just tell you something. When I write in my journal, and sometimes I write prayers, I write things I'm going through, I'm right, things I'm asking the Lord to do, I write praises, thanksgiving. Sometimes I'm writing and I'm, I'm kind of writing out this cry to God and I'll be writing a sentence and I'll stop mid-sentence and I'll go, who's going to read this? That's awful. I mean, I'm just like, who's going to read this? Like, who am I writing this for? What if I, 
man, I'm going to die. Somebody's going to find my journals, and somebody's going to thumb through it and read it. And if I put what I'm about to put in the rest of this sentence, they're going to be like, Dad was crazy. <laughs> or Dad was messed up. Or the pastor at Watkinsville, he had some things. Don't look at me judgmental. Y'all, 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 listen. And what God has shown me is write it. Put it down. And I write it. And I think one day somebody might pick it up and look at it. Maybe I'll have a son when he's 55 named Graham or Connor or Wilson that would look at that and think about what they're going through in their life and see, you know what? Dad's not here, but Dad was real. And though it was dark right there, God came through. I think what God's doing here in Psalm 88 is he's given us a chance to read his journal, to read his word, to let us see. There are times we just got to be honest with God, and there's even helping power in just being honest before him. And I want to encourage you, in your talking to God, to be honest with him. Somewhere along the way, well-meaning people may have taught you, don't ever ask God why. Don't say those things to God. You can't do that. You get zapped. And all of a sudden you read in God's word where Jesus says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God can handle it. Number three, darkness is not the same as barrenness. Darkness is not the same as barrenness. Though he speaks of darkness on three specific occasions here, it doesn't mean that there can be no fruit and there can be no growth. In fact, in darkness, great glories of God are birthed. It's in darkness when we learn endurance. It's in darkness that we learn grace. It's in darkness that we learn patience. It's in darkness that we learn mercy. There's a lot of waiting in the Christian life. And sometimes that waiting is in the dark. But in the middle of that darkness, God does something that we may never can see or we may not see until much, much later. When my, in the time of my dad's death, Carla, she mentioned this just a few days ago. She said, Carlos, you've never preached, you've never preached better. And there's, there's I'm going to qualify that word, but you, you've never preached better than during those days that you were walking through that with your dad dark days but even in the midst of dark days God was bringing out things that had no idea what he was doing and in your darkness remember Romans 8 23 that says we groan inwardly while we wait eagerly we groan inwardly while we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons 
plant guy. That's my background, my history. And I was thinking this week about darkness. And I just thinking about fruit and things that grow. And I asked this question. I was like, are there, are there flowers that bloom in the dark? You know there are. There are. And here's, let me tell you about one. There's a flower that blooms in the night called chocolate daisy. Some of you may have that in your yard. For you horticulturalists, that's Berlandiera lyrata. All right? There's your scientific name. It's a chocolate daisy. Here's the description. It is a, it is a flower that grows in high heat, dry soil, and barren environments. And blooms at night for a strong morning fragrance of chocolate. That's awesome. I think what a beautiful picture in God's creation. That in dry, hard, barren, seemingly times. That in the morning, God can bring forth something so glorious. And in your life, maybe a dark season, but that doesn't mean it's a barren season. Number four, this, this psalm, now look at this psalm. Here's the fourth lesson I want to close with. This is not the last song. Amen. This is not the last song. I look at this and just from practical just a practical view. I, is it not awesome that this is not Psalm? Aren't you glad this isn't Psalm 150? I mean, this is Psalm 88. Somebody told me this morning out in the, in the lobby, they, they said, while you were reading Psalm 88, I had to turn over and see what Psalm 89 said. <laughs> and it, this is not the last song. Heman, Heman here is the author. We haven't said much about him, but Heman is the, the author of this song. He was a musician. He was a, he was a son of Korah. He, he wrote this song. In a lot of ways, you might say he's a one-hit wonder. It's the only psalm in all 150 written by him, but he really wasn't a one-hit wonder. In fact, when you start studying Heman, what you find out is, is that he was one of the wisest men in the Old Testament. We know that because when Solomon and Kings was declared as being the wisest one that had ever lived. It says, even wiser than Heman. And it, and it lets us just see, even though this is the psalm of Heman's that God preserved forever, there's no way that's the only song that he had ever sung or the only song that he had ever written. But even more so than that, we don't have to speculate we know this is not the last song. When you read through these verses and you see darkness, 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 maybe some of you are way ahead of me, but I think Matthew 27, Jesus on the cross, and it says, Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour, and about the ninth hour Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, Lama Sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The reason that you and I can declare that this is not the last song is because Jesus Christ, in our place, took our darkness, utter darkness, absolute darkness, the darkness of bearing the sin and iniquity of all on his shoulders, 
and he experienced darkness for us. He took it for us. He's buried, and I think of Psalm 88 as being the song of Saturday, it being the day that Jesus was in the grave, the day that Jesus was in the pit, the day that Jesus bore our sin. But you turn the page, and when you turn the page, you see now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb, and behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men but the angel said to the women do not be afraid for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified he is not here for he has risen you see darkness dealt with death dealt with the grave dealt with this is not our last song this season you're in it's not your last song Do you know what the last song is? Revelation 5. It says they gathered around the throne and they worshiped and together they all sang a new song. They sang a new song. They sang a new song. Worthy is the lamb that was slain. Friends, listen, I know this psalm ends in darkness. But for the believer, the hell that you know on earth because of Jesus won't be the heaven that you know in eternity. Don't quit in the dark. Our team's going to come, Jason, Caleb. They're going to remind us. We're going to sing together. We're going to declare this together. I'm going to be here at the front. and say, Pastor, pray for me, with me. I, I'm walking in that time. Just come along beside me, pray. Altars open for you to pray. Maybe today you would realize, hey, I'm not starting here with salvation. I need Jesus. And I'd ask you to come and talk with me. Let me help you today find the light of Jesus. And just start your days ahead with God being your Savior. Let's stand together. Let's sing. Let's declare his praise. Let's pray. Pray for one another. Seek the Lord right now.